Welcome to Something Crunchy. Tyler is homies with Blake. Blake is the older bro of Blair. Blair is married to Tyler and is a slutty slut slut. Welcome to Something Crunchy. What the hell is crunchy? Welcome to Something Crunchy. Welcome to another special edition episode of Something Crunchy. I am Cullen Blake. With me as always, Blair and Tyler Dressel. Tonight we have with us such a great guest. To say we are fans of this man is such an understatement. He is an artist, author, comedian, screenwriter, producer, director, singer, and a truly gifted actor who's been in film and television spanning over five decades. You've seen him in such shows as Friends, Seinfeld, and Breaking Bad. You've seen him in such movies as Escape from Alcatraz, Billy Madison, and Home Alone. Please welcome Mr. Larry Hankin. Welcome to Something Crunchy, Mr. Larry. Hey, Larry. How are you, sir? Uh, okay, fine. How you doing, Blake? <laughs> doing good. Thank you. Uh, Larry, I speak for the three of us and all of our listeners when I say you have really been a staple of our youth. We've seen you everywhere. You have been a part of so many iconic projects, and your work is just always so memorable. Blair, Tyler, wouldn't you agree? Wow, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't know why. <laughs> you have my heart and like everything I've ever seen you in. You're captivating. Your characters are imaginative. Uh, we always connect with you. You're yes. just one hell of an actor. Thank you for all your work. Well, thank you. Just trying to do my job. Trying to remember my lines and hit my spot. That's That's well, you bring the goods. Larry, uh, you are a perfect fit for this podcast. We do a lot of film and TV. We do a lot of 80s and 90s nostalgia. Um, and we oh, have, cool. We did uh, some polls in Facebook groups this week, which... Um, you know, a lot of the 80s and 90s nostalgia groups seem to be most active for some reason. And one, social media just absolutely loves you. Yeah. Um, yes, they do. That, that may come as really? no... Oh. I, uh, why do you say that? I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't... Uh, I, I'm on Facebook, but I really don't... Larry, uh, I dropped a picture of your face in a couple groups in thousands of likes and comments within within hours. Within hours. nice. And you'll like this because I... All I did was simply ask, what was your favorite Larry Hankin role in the 80s and 90s? Um, and you would be surprised to know that no answer dominated, not even Mr. Heckles from Friends. Really? Yes. All over the map. There was just no, as many. Was there, it's the same across the board? Just as many said Home Alone, Billy Madison, Money Talks, Death Warrant. Um, the ones that said Seinfeld were passionate about their answers. Um, we, we even got Halloween guy from Home Improvement, and there was obviously a lot of love for Doobie from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah. Wow, man. Yes. Yeah, so it, it's. I, I was surprised by that, and I thought you would be too. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always surprised because I don't. That's not my life. That's not what I do. I, that's not where I go. So, People love yeah, you from I, all over. I just over learned the place. about me from podcasts. That's why I do them. What are you for? How am I doing? You're doing fantastic. Okay, Everybody loves you. I guess. You're trending. Larry, one of the first real movies I ever watched was Escape from Alcatraz. Yes. And it is... It's a great movie, man. It's really good. good. It's still one of my favorite films. I still get heartbroken that Charlie Butts didn't make it out. Oh, I know. Do do you know why? Well, I want to talk about that. Why Charlie Butts didn't make it out? I mean, there's there's an actual valid reason, and it was in the script, and... That the one line that describes why was was cut, and I didn't know why. And he said, 
the audience doesn't have to know. Oh, and I thought, okay, but I, just, but I used it my, my backstory for the character. Can you guess? The, the backstory of the character, it's based on a real person named Alan West. And, yes, yes. And um, he was trying to get out at the time. There's, I've heard different versions of the story. This was a question I was leading to was what is the real version of it? Because I've heard that he couldn't get out in time, but he did, similar to what happened in the movie. And then I heard that there was just a bar blocking his way um, that wouldn't allow him to escape at all and that he never got out of the cell. Well, uh, the line that was cut, I don't know about the truth of it. I mean, because the, the only truth I know any actor knows is the truth in the script. Yeah. It doesn't right. matter what life was about. It's what's in the script. And in the script, I say to, he, I'm nervous. And he, he asked me, he says, why, why, why are you so nervous? And I say, I can't swim. Oh. And so that's okay. why. And he told me to cut that line, and I said, "Why? Yeah. You know, that's I'm I've been using that in every scene. That you know, when when should I tell them I can't swim? When should I tell them I can't swim?" And um, he said, "No, they don't have to know that. You know, oh. it's just." And I don't know why he said that because uh, I told the director. I said, "You know, hey, it's very important to me. The, you know, the actor." It's the difference between the character of Charlie Butts coming off cowardice yeah. or just simply not being able to swim and it being like a totally different yeah, that I changes mean, everything. Part, part of the plot. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't want, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a great director and he directed a great movie. He's a famous director. Yes. You know, Don Siegel has directed incredible movies, man. So when he says something, you just take it as gospel. Yeah. And sure. I don't think it, it it bothered the audience one one bit, and so I think he was right. Uh, but it was just I don't, I don't know what I never got the reason his reasoning for it. It didn't but bother the audience because they didn't know the truth. They, they, right, they, it was just left up to I just interpretation. Know, I was so sad, Charlie didn't get he, out. But but also I know as because I study you know I'm I'm writing a screenplay now so I'm reading all these you know how to write books you cool. know, how to write a screenplay uh, and they're all they're all different but they say the the same thing so if you get one and really study it you, you know everything but <laughs> yeah. they all do different projects but um, what they said was and maybe this is the reason why he said it's not important for you for one the writer to tell the audience everything. It, but then they get bored because they, they, if you tell them too much, they can figure out, because they're smart, right, they can figure that. out the end. And if you, you don't want them to figure out the end, that's, that's a no-no. Right. They can right. try that's to figure right. out, you know, like an You want them some questioning. Story. Oh, I find that story fascinating, in, in your character especially, because if Alan West did escape with the four of them, he wouldn't have cooperated with the FBI. All these details wouldn't have come out this movie likely would have never been made. So that was a very important role. Do you believe that they got away and lived? You were pretty... No, no. I've been studying it, too. I guess everybody who did that movie was... I mean, that's all the other conversation. I know. That's On the set. I can't imagine. There's 200, you know, extras who are playing the the prisoners. I mean, everybody was talking about, well, well, did they make it or not? But the research that they were doing while they were doing the movie was no they they didn't make it really and there's a lot of reasons why they didn't make it that are very uh well they proved that they didn't make it Ooh, uh, one was that on the outgoing tide or, or the i don't know one a steamer 
Okay. Uh, a boat was going out, a big, a big tanker like was going out, and they saw what they thought was a body floating, and it ha- and it was dressed in blue, which was the prisoner's uniforms, blue. Okay. Uh, so they they said that they thought they saw a body. It was never recovered, uh, and then they timed it. The police uh, timed when they escaped. The time that the that they escaped and got into the water that night. The tide was going out, and when the tide goes out under that bridge, because I lived in San Francisco yeah. uh, for right. years, so I know that bridge and all the currents and everything. I mean, everybody in this city does. So um, that that bridge goes across a very narrow inlet. That's the only place where you could build a bridge. But the, the San Francisco Bay is a huge open area. So when the tide goes out, the water rushing through under that bridge is going so fast and powerfully that if you try to, at that moment, at the moment that they, their timing was perfect for being wrong. (laughs) At the moment, if you put a raft in the water and you would be swept out under the bridge before you could get to the other side. That's A. And then B is there's a report that a punctured raft, their punctured raft, was found on the beach. Oh. So it collapsed. It didn't hold air. It didn't hold up, which is believable. Yes. It was made out of raincoats and all yeah. like that. Oh, man. Yeah, from... that, that's believable. Yeah, it just didn't hold up. And to swim against that current is impossible. So, they were, so the, the worst, the, the least of it was they were just swept out to sea. But uh, and I think that's what actually happened. So you're not buying Never in. Never made it to the other side. You're not buying into the like History Channel BS that the England brothers have um, surfaced from facial recognition experts and um, you know proved that they were still alive up until like 2018. Well, um, there's another there's another piece about the England brothers, and that is. That uh, oh by the way just just to finish the the other thing if you do get across if you can get across even in that current the current takes you not to where they wanted to land but it takes you outside of the bridge and you land somewhere outside of on the ocean side of the bridge and they were going for uh, Angel Island inside of the, they wanted to stay in 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 the bay to get to get a so it it, it just uh, but as far as the Anglin brothers go um every they the Anglin brothers were known escape artists from prison they, they right. escaped several times from many prisons but they were always caught and the reason that they were always <laughs> caught was eventually within two or three months they found their way back to their mother's house <laughs> they, they always went back, back to the, the same place up every time. <laughs> so, and and the fact that they never showed up at their mother's house. Now, you know, maybe they finally got the clue that Wised they don't up. go back to home, home to mom. But they were arrested three or four times at their mother's house, so they, they didn't learn very <laughs> oh God, well. Slow that. learners, slow learners. <laughs> they love their mom. So They're brilliant they, in prison. So that that. All, all, all things point to they, they never made it, so I don't know about the face recognition. Because they were stupid they're criminals. They, they were always caught. So the fact that <laughs> in 2018 or something that they were recognized 
It doesn't figure. They would have been caught long before that because they're into crime. I mean, no, they, that they makes so have, much sense. That's how they survived. Do you think that that was your best role, uh, Escape from Alcatraz? My best role? Yes. Well, it's one of my best roles, and I'll tell you why. Um, I agree. I, I don't know about I don't know about the whole movie. I really I really don't about my part. But there's one section in the movie that I think I did exactly what I wanted to do, which if I do that, then I mean, to me, I did great. Yeah. yeah. Because I have little, little, you know, uh, like goals. Of course. Yeah. When I'm doing a part and I want to do this, I want to do. So the, in Escape from Alcatraz, I think it's my first scene. It's a scene where I come out of the cell. They're all marching. uh, They stopped in front of my cell. I come out of myself putting on my shirt and yes. it yes. says button the top button. Yes. That's my first scene, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, here's what, here's the deal on that. Um, all the script says is Charlie Butts is buttoning up his shirt, gets in line and Clint Eastwood says button the top button and they march off. That's all That's you all. got. That's the entire scene. Wow. So I get into my cell. So, Don Siegel says, okay, Larry, start inside your cell. I go, okay, fine, you know. So when they march up, they're going to stop. You you see that they're waiting for you, so you get up out of your cell, and you get in line, and then he'll give you your you know, button to top up. I go, okay, fine. So I get in my cell, and then just before he rolls action, he says to me, I'm sitting on my bed in my cell, and he says, Take off your shirt. <laughs> and I go, and I, in my mind, I go, oh no, that means I have to put on the shirt. Now, see, and the one rule was that everybody in the line that's waiting for me to get in line, everybody is totally together. Their shirt is tucked in, all buttoned up, up to the top button. So all I know is I have to, when he says action, Don Siegel says, action, I have to get up off of my bunk, out of the cell, into line, and be ready with everything except the top top button. button. So I have to put on the shirt, button it all up, tuck tuck it in, in, and then leave the top button open before the line marches away. Because Clint has to give me that line while we're still standing still. Oh. We start to march off. It's a tight frame. He's going to march out of frame when he says it. So I have all these... So I, I take my shirt off, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it. And then he yells, <laughs> and then he yells action. So I'm figuring out how to do it as I'm putting it on. And I did it perfectly. The timing of the shirt to the button. No, it was tucked it in, perfect. T- all the buttons and then left it open. And he says, the button, the top button. And I, I button it and we march off. And, he, yes. and then the director says, cut, moving on. Like, it was one take. You're like, Beautiful. Oh, so I did it. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that I did one take, improvising, you know, there's, no, I can't do it without a shirt on. It's too long, you know. That kind of thing. So that's why I think that scene is my best scene ever. I, it is the first uh, time we I, see just you. Just because I did what I what I what he told me to do on the spot, 
and I didn't think I could do it. You had very and little to work off of. And, in one take, that's wow. and the timing was perfect. You got in line, you tucked it in your shirt, and it was like perfect. Once now, you like face forward, it was the, like the top button. The of that was, and I could see it because when Clint Eastwood said to me, "Now I don't think you can see it in film," but when I, I I think I turned slightly or something. But anyway, when he says button the top button and we marched off. He didn't think I could do it either. <laughs> he thought I was going to fuck up. Ye of he little was waiting faith, for huh? me to fuck up. Clint he preached everybody The entire wrong. three months was waiting for me to fuck up. <laughs> and every time I fuck Come up, on, in some small way, like if I went up on a line, you know, just some make some small. He would always call me on it, and and it was it was uh, it wasn't like an anger. It was like an, a, a kind of endearment, like I was his son or something. Wow. I mean, the fact that I was so earnest, I think, is what made him do that i was i was very serious the whole time you were very because serious I was talking i was i'm, I'm working with a, you know don siegel who's a a, a venerated director yes. and clint eastwood who's yeah. you know I'm a fan national so, treasure yeah, already hard working under those circumstances yeah I, I can imagine and so i feel that that was um your most impressive body of work in in my opinion i wanted to gauge how you felt about that i i think so too because uh, it's the only uh i have a co-starring role and that was my first big movie yes yeah. i mean i wasn't yes. even a movie actor yet that's you right know? i love i don't you think i had done maybe one or two movies and they were really small little walk-on parts you know so yeah but i i i loved the working on it i never went into my dressing room i was always on the set even if I wasn't in, even if I wasn't working, it was just really great working on Alcatraz. I mean, every morning you get up about uh, six in the morning. You have to be down at the dock by seven. Maybe you have to get up at five thirty. You get down at the dock, and there was like ten boats, ten uh, tourist boats, or small tourist boats. You know, you get about you know seventy five people on it or something like that, yeah. and there were just ten of them all lined up. These tourist boats, and all the two hundred. You know, uh, extras and the actors who were going to work that day, you just get on one of these boats and then they would motor you across to Alcatraz and then you would have to stay there because there's no boats coming back. I think there was one, maybe one small dinghy coming back during lunch hour. Oh, wow. So you would so have to stay you were actually there, stuck there the for entire a while. nine or ten hours. You come back until eight o'clock at night. Oof. So uh, I just went every day. Well, I was on call every day. I mean, I had a major part. Yeah, Sometimes you were they wanted a big me role. To be in, the, in the background or in a scene, so I just had to be there. But I loved it. So I would just spend my entire day on Alcatraz, and when I knew I wasn't needed for you know an hour or two, or maybe the whole afternoon, I would just go exploring. You know, I went down to uh, they have a basement to, to Alcatraz where all the Indians. I don't know if you know that, but the Indians took it over uh, for a couple of, for about a year. A long Did, time ago in the 60s. Huh, no, we, we have all yeah. done the tour even, and we've all been there, but no, I did not know that. Did not oh, know yeah, that. well, they were downstairs. They never show it because I went down there, and that's where they lived. That's where they stayed. And it's basically uh, partly a, a, a dirt floor, but they had built fires down there. I don't understand how they could do that. It was all, there were no windows. It's a cellar. It's a huge cellar. I mean, it's huge. But there's all Indians, mar Indian paintings all over. You know, Ooh, they were just wow. crazy. I mean, there was nothing to do because they had taken over the entire island. So they were just walking all over. But, you know, they must have spent most of their days or maybe their nights. Maybe they slept down there. I don't know. But it's just covered with uh, 
fire pits and ashes and paintings. Wow, Indian that's paintings crazy. All over. That's crazy. Uh, and the guard towers and stuff. Yeah, it's a great place. It's a great place to just hang. Larry, you have admitted that you are most recognized for your role in Friends, Mr. Heckles. Oh, wow, yeah. That's why I was surprised when you said there was no one that rose above the I, other. I honestly you was, too. You thought it was going to be all Mr. Heckles, yeah. but it wasn't. Well, uh, nowadays, I mean, I, I, you know, I do this cameo thing, you know, where you can, I, you know, I can send you a birthday greeting. I, I was going to bring that up. That's right. But so it's just so, it's for everybody. I mean, cameo, you know, anybody can go on it. Go to any star or, or semi hemi demi, <laughs> but, but I only get well ninety nine point nine percent. One Mr. Heckles things is from Friends. Wow! Just, yeah, it's a man. Well, Friends is now distributed all over the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, it is. People from India, from China, from Japan. Now, now with the streaming services and getting a resurgence and a whole new generation. Your character so memorable. Like. Now, I'll tell our audience for you, Larry, that the reason why you don't necessarily love talking about Friends is one, a lot of people have questions for you about the main cast and the main six and your experiences with them. And you've said before that you know, you know, off of off camera, the six pretty much stated themselves and you don't have a lot of memories and fun anecdotes to share that people are looking for. And on top of that, oh, oh yeah, well, there's there's one, you know, where I told off the producers, you know, I heard, I heard about that. On. <laughs> <laughs> I have no um, patience for bullshit, I guess, or, or, or I don't know what the hell was going on. I just named it bullshit it could have been uh protocol i have no idea but what was going on i didn't understand that, that see that i mean you get i one anybody gets angry because you just don't understand if sure. you're angry of you don't understand something right. i mean that's just a priori and i just was angry all the time i was on because i just didn't understand what was going on you know uh i was just i was a young i was a young angry man oh, <laughs> So, you know, and one day I just unloaded on the producers and it was in front of, I think, a hundred people. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I just, I guess when you get angry, man, you're blind to, to everything but, you know, the focus of your anger. Get your point across. You know, uh, but after I blew up, you know, what the fuck is going on? I don't think I said that. I don't think I said that. But I said, what the hell is going, you know. Oh, uh, I, I don't even remember what I was angry about. Oh, why did you kill me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why did you kill, Mr. Did you kill me? That was why. That's got me really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference between a one-off and a recurring was uh, five and six, oh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was mad because, uh, you know, it was all in me. It had nothing to do, really. It had nothing to do with them. I was just using them. But no, I, <laughs> I thought that, it, you know, I had five. I was on five. And six, you're recurring. That's right. You could buy a house with a recurring. But five, you're just a one-off. You just come in, get paid. You know, like, you're going to kill me uh, at five? So <laughs> I, I did five, and, and then they killed me on the fifth one. And I was thinking, well, if I did five, I'm going to do six, and then I can buy a house. Uh, so bummer. when they said, uh, you're hired, you're doing a fifth one. My, my agent said, hey, he said, you're, there's good news and bad news. I said, wow, what's the good news? He said, the good news is you got the fifth show of Friends. I said, wow, that's incredible. 
what's the bad news? What could be the bad news? He says, you die in that room. Oh, heartbreak. Oh, no. And that was three days before I had to, how to show up. Because oh. you know, I didn't have to audition anymore. I, I was Mr. Heckles. That's right. Now, in three days, I got to show up. So I, I held that anger in about, no, you know, I... For three days. And then you get upset. <laughs> the time like, he said he got five to the time that he said they kill you in that one was probably about 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so in the 15 seconds, I had a house and then I didn't have oh, a house. Heartbreak. And, and in that 15 seconds, the only person I could blame was friends took my house away from me. Oh. They only gave it to me 50 se 15 seconds before. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, it wasn't even real. But in my mind, I had a house for 15 seconds. Pers oh, perspective totally is reality. That. When yeah. I got to the show three days later, that anger was still there. And I didn't <laughs> even know. It. And I just, when I saw them, it just. <laughs> and everybody was, you know, it was a hundred people in the room. There was a, it was the um, opening day of the new season. Oh my so they god! Celebrate, they have a little, you know, a little celebration party. Okay, Weird. here we go for the new season. This is the third year? I think it was the third, fourth. Yeah, third year or something. Okay, so everybody was standing around on the little cocktail tables. You know, you stand around and They're talk. All celebrating and excited. You know, there was like about about fifteen or twenty of those tables, and all these suits and actors and producers were all around from all all, all the other shows. And I just marched up to them and I just unloaded on them. <laughs> <laughs> and, Why and, did and you have to loud, kill me? Loud, I mean, shouting and and they. They were just stunned. There were just three producers at one little cocktail table. And I just <laughs> shouted at them. And they were stunned. And they st I never forget this. They stunned at me. And then the woman. There was two men and one woman. And she just looked at me and she just said, so cool. It was just amazing. She said, perhaps we could talk about this a little later. <laughs> just like that. And it woke me up. Just how quiet and calm she was it just woke me up and i go oh and i i suddenly realized the silence that i had caused created oh i threw you said, oh okay fine and i just walked away to this you know craft services table very you know and there was three people at the craft services table and when they saw me coming they just split he's gonna light us up next yeah. said, okay now what am i gonna do here well i guess i'll have a cup of coffee whatever and just as i was pouring a cup of coffee this kid comes over who was about 16 i don't know maybe an extra for maybe one of the producer's kids i don't know but anyway this 16 year old <laughs> comes over to me and he stands next to me and he goes Dude, that was so cool. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever seen. Somebody got it. <laughs> but man, the rest of the time on the set, nobody would come near me, man. They were afraid I would just do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not that guy. I just had a moment. I'm yeah. upset. They killed yeah, well, me. It's a bad moment for me, but I'll never do it again. I mean, it's just not, it's uncool. But I, I love the fact that I had the temerity to do it. But I mean, that, it's, that was an insane moment. <laughs> we all have our moments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it also taught me a lesson. I mean, I, I just said, okay, I got a, I got an attitude problem. I got to just 
I got to work on this. <laughs> I got to work on this. I mean, yeah, I don't want to do that until when Vince Gilligan is, you know, hiring. That's oh, crazy. I love Vince Gilligan. Let's let's talk about uh, Breaking Bad for a minute. That's a good transition. Yeah, I understand that uh, the old Joe character is based at least loosely on your Uncle Murray. Is that true? Oh wow! Holy cow, man! <laughs> do some research. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is that is true. Um, uh, no, I mean totally. I mean, I was doing my That's uncle. So awesome. The difference is that I wasn't parroting my uncle or lampooning my uncle right you were just using him uncle. for inspiration you know, when i did when i did seinfeld and i did kramer right okay um, i yeah. was yeah. okay i was imitating kramer i wasn't i wasn't acting i wasn't being kramer sure i wasn't i wasn't being cosmo i i, I was i was imitating kramer i wasn't imitating my uncle murray i was being my uncle Murray. Sure. Okay. I see. Okay. That was the difference. Oh. And and it had to do with my reverence towards both. Uh, in other words, I, I really liked uh, Michael Richards doing Kramer. I was a fan of Kramer, of Michael doing Kramer. But I, I couldn't, I, I mean, I couldn't be, I mean, Kramer was... A character, and Michael, I didn't know well enough. My uncle babysat me and raised me, so I could just, you know, be uncle, be old Joe, and be my uncle at the same time. You know, if you live with somebody, you just there's one acting exercise, an opening acting exercise that always blew my mind. Uh, one teacher told it to me. He didn't. I, he said, "There's one thing you can always." Oh, I know who it was. Wayne, uh, the guy, the producer, the Wayne brothers. Oh, Keenan Ivory. The guy, the, the guy who wrote it, and and he told me, he said, um, when when you're doing comedy, he said, you know, you pick somebody who's alive to imitate or do in the improv or wh- whatever, which is what we were doing. If you do a cop, you just imitate a cop. But he said, but there's one character that everybody can do, no matter if you're an actor or 40 years old or 90 years old or 12. Everybody can do their mom That's or right. their dad. That's oh, right. Yes. I- imitate Definitely. one of their parents. Sure. They don't have to think about it. You just say, hey, you know, just uh, do a little improv with, with me as your dad, you know, and I'll go blah, 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 blah. And you, you don't think about it. You just do it naturally. You do it either well or not well. I'm not talking about that. But you don't think about it. You just, oh, is my dad was like this, blah, blah, blah. Yes. So that's kind of what, what actors do when they jump into a role. They just picture something that's so familiar to them that they can just be it. And that's what we were doing when we were improv. But to actually be a, you know, a living person that you're going to do a full movie role with, like say somebody like, like old Joe, which he had enough roles over, you know, the three roles that I did of him and, and the writing. There was enough there for me to actually like do a backstory. I mean, you know, you had a star, and I didn't want to imitate him. You would see it's false. You could see me. I didn't want you to see me. I wanted you to see, see old Joe. So that that takes a little uh, concentration and focus, and you oh, know, I you got to do your homework. So it was much easier because I said, "Wow, man, my uncle Murray just fits this guy like a glove." I mean, he did this kind of stuff. He installed oil burners. I mean, he worked with his hands. He would come home full of grease every day. You know, when I stayed at, you know, I, I, he would babysit, him and his wife would babysit for me 
um, when my parents went on vacations and stuff or went away. Uh, so yeah, it was really easy for me Channel to just home. up and do old Joe. And it was really my uncle Murray. That's it didn't awesome. occur to me until I was into the role until, until I actually did it like once or one take. And I go, Oh wow, Murray, how you doing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about Billy Madison for a second. Uh, okay. When you did Billy Madison playing Carl, which was one of my personal favorites as well. Mine all, too. All of us here. Of course. Um, you were working with a very young Adam Sandler doing very 90s alternative humor. Uh, he was getting popular, but he wasn't as people think of him today. When you made this movie, were you thinking like, oh, I could see this being a huge hit? Or were you thinking, what the hell have I gotten myself into here? <laughs> no, I he, he's seeing penguins and talking to shampoo bottles. Because they didn't know him. So I wanted to work with him just because he was a funny, a famously funny guy. Yes. And he Saturday had Live. just, that was his first movie. Yeah. And so uh, my friend uh, was, uh, I won't tell you his name because he got fired. <laughs> but my friend was doing the movie, was directing the movie. And in the middle of the movie, he got fired for no reason, except he wasn't going as fast as... Adam wanted him to. Wow. So that was the only reason. Oh. Uh, well, they were on a budget and it was a cheap, you know, funny movie. It was yeah. his first movie. They didn't have a lot of money. So the, the producers were, were complaining. So, uh, and then they got together with Adam and said, look, we got to let him go. I mean, we're burning up money here. We're not going to get finished in time. It was a cheap one off, you know, it just boom. They didn't know if it was going to be hit. Nobody knew it was going to be a hit. I didn't think it was going to be a hit. Uh, and when I got to, to the set and started acting with Adam, I, I thought he was not funny, man. You know, I, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> see, I respect funny? Adam Sandler for totally different reasons than everybody else does. I don't respect his humor at all, but he's a great comedy businessman, yeah. producer, actor. I mean, have you seen uh, uh, Gems? Uh, Righteous Gemstones? No, he's talking about oh, no, uh, no. Uncut, uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Uncut, 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 uncut Gems or Uncut Diamonds. I've seen like it, that. yes. Yeah. seen it a couple of times. That, that was really good. He did well. In there. There you role. go. That's, that's guys an actor. He's great. Yes. Yes. He's as good as me. Yes. He's cool. Yeah, he, uh, but, he was really but, good. I mean, his, his humor is just uh, uh, poop humor, fart humor, you know. Yeah, uh, low-hanging fruit. It's teenage humor. And I the report I just got... Uh, couple of months ago he still does his show you know he tours for that, personal he does right. arena shows and stuff that's right but he's still doing the pre-1990 show and he so a friend of mine went to see him you know see what the modern you know uh king of comedy is doing and he says it was embarrassing <laughs> you know he was doing poop humor and oh, fart no. jokes and he's still doing the old stuff but yet you know he does uncut gems and he's fucking incredible that was that was, was awesome like, do more of that yeah like uh how i feel you were snubbed for an oscar in alcatraz kind of thought he was snubbed um for an oscar there at, at least oh, wait, who was that adam sandler in uncut I... gems last year oh yeah he was up for an academy award no he wasn't he should have been well because he's too see he um uh, it's uh, the, the academy is kind of uh, you know an yeah people you for know? sure and, and he he just uh, doesn't fit in he he know? doesn't fit the mold uh, he doesn't fit in with me I mean uh, he I did 
he, he was just awful to me. He was just insulting to me. Wow. wow. Really? He's, 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 a, he's a kid. He's a child. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a billionaire, but he's, he's a child. You know, and, and I, I just don't have much patience, you know, for, for childishness. And he was calling me at, you know, four in the morning and, you know, hey, what are you doing? Are you, you know, another to wake me up, you know, or he have his girlfriends, not, not his girl, not his girlfriends, his girl friends. He would have a little entourage of about 16 or 17 year old girls around him all the time. Wow. If he was ever out wow. in public. Or, uh, they would just they would just follow him around. So uh, he, uh, I guess he had a one or two girlfriends, or his girlfriend came up to see him. I don't I don't know his relationship with anybody, especially women. But uh, and he was a young kid, you know. I mean, he was just doing his thing. But he would have this uh, girl call me up at like four in the morning when I had a six thirty call. They say, "Hey, can I come up and see you?" And I just hear him laugh, giggling in the background. Oh my god! Go himself. Well, yeah, you know, I just hang up. I I think he was. That's his way of expressing friendship. I guess. Yeah, maybe. Just yeah. in his yeah. own different way. <laughs> hey, Larry. Yeah. Hypothetically speaking. Right after you inherited Madison Hotels, what did you do with that company? <laughs> that script was so awful. I didn't care about anything I said or did in that movie. That was the. It's the worst written movie. It's a big it, hit because it really all the was. Sixteen and fifteen year olds that I've ever met since that movie have seen it a hundred and forty times. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but it's it's an awful movie, and he. As a matter of fact, one one day he invited me up to his his hotel room. I thought, oh, what is this about now? I mean, by then, by the time I got this invitation, I was just down on Adam Sandler. I just didn't want to be there. Uh, the only reason I was there was because I wanted to meet Adam Sandler. Yeah, and it was a total disappointment so uh i go to his hotel room and he's got a bottle of four star scotch um <laughs> on the table and he's got his three writer friends who wrote this movie with him uh and they're sitting around they're half drunk it's the middle of the afternoon and maybe it was a saturday it was a day off or something or sunday and he sits me down and he goes uh, and they start to quiz me hey larry <laughs> what do you what do you think about this movie and they're like half drunk. They're like don't Maybe ask you. Maybe a quarter those. drunk, but they're <laughs> not sober. And um, I go, what kind of question is that? Yeah, you're well, making yeah, the what, movie. Well, what, what do you think of this movie? I go, you, you're the producer, you're the <laughs> star, and you're asking me, and I'm going to tell you it's not a great movie? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make me say this? That's, I, that's what I said to him. And he goes... Well, uh, what do you what do you think about? Uh, I don't know. You asked me something else. What do you think about this? And I said, this is ridiculous. Do I have to sit here? Uh, are you going to ask me something else? I did, I, these are kind of stupid questions. And he goes, the uh, okay, you don't want to be here? No. Okay, <laughs> bye. And I just walked out. Wow. So, I mean, how can I? I mean, you know, now look. That was his first movie. He's under a lot of pressure. Right. I, I understand all that. You know, every stand-up comedian I ever met, and I've been a stand-up comedian. Right. Ever met, you know, you, you get drunk and you become a schmuck. 
You know, me too. Okay, I get it. Still, still, you know, it, it, it kept on mounting. If that was the only thing he ever did that was wrong, hey, man, you know, just have fun with your young life. Right. Go for it. But no, it just kept on going the whole time I was there. And yeah. then he fires my friend. <laughs> so, I'm sure that had something I mean, to do you know, with it. It's just, uh, you know, hey, but he's king of comedy, man. If you have a movie, he'll he'll get it made for you. Wow. You really will. Wow. Or here's another Adam Sandler story. <laughs> bring it. Uh, bring a really it. Fast one. I get a call from my main. I, I, I was in, I was doing another movie, and uh, I don't think if it ever gets back to him, I'll never work in this town again. <laughs> but but, but um, I was doing another movie. I was in New York doing a movie, and I get a call from my manager in L.A. and he says my my agent. And he says, um, I just got a call from Adam Sandler's people, and they want you to audition. His brother, Adam Sandler's brother, is shooting a movie, and uh, he wants to know, uh, uh, he wants you in it. Adam wants to see if you could be in it, in, your, in, your, in his brother's movie. Interesting. Uh, but the audition is tomorrow. Can you make it? And I go, no, I'm shooting a scene tomorrow, but that's my last day. I can get on a flight tomorrow night. And be there the next day, even in the morning. How's that? She says, I don't know. I'll call you back. He calls me back uh, about five minutes later. He says, no, forget it. I go, okay. Another rudeness from Adam Sandler. The guy, he wants me, he calls me to be in his brother's movie. As a favor, you know, would you, do, would you be in his movie? The audition is tomorrow. He can't wait 24 hours, even though it was important enough for him to call me, you know, yeah. to, to call and say, will, will he be in my 24 hours? No, forget it. Well, that's been fine. I mean, it's just it's it's not it's not cool. I mean, right. It's just he's just self-centered. You know, I'll give it to you. I mean, I'm self-centered. <laughs> I that. But I mean, you know, I'm talking to you, right? This yes, of course. Right? I mean, what, but you know, so it's publicity. But still, man, there's a there's a certain you know equity of of just being a human being. You know. So anyway, that that's all right. Let's forget about Adam. Let's forget about Moving it. Moving on. Let's talk more Larry, about you. I want to talk about you did a documentary in 2015 called How to Grow Your Own. Also labeled as a docudrama, and right. I'll be—I I'll be no, didn't know it was a docudrama. Is it? It was, it was yeah, it's labeled as a docudrama. I could oh. not find this thing anywhere, which is a shame because it had one of the coolest trailers I've ever seen. The trailer opens with you um, taking a nice tug from like a two-foot bong with just—I mean, you took it down yeah. like a champ. That was impressive <laughs> stuff. I remember that. That was the best. I'll say it again. I mean, that was the best bong hit on film. It, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Was this man. awarded right like, here and now? Something Crunchy's it. best bong hit on film. Yeah. Bong. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, he was. Uh, he, yeah. So he said, "No, look, um, uh, uh, you're gonna have to. We're gonna do a bong hit here." Uh, it wasn't in the okay. uh, no script. I think he was just making it up. Maybe it was in the script. I don't, I don't remember that. But he said, okay, so you got to do it. So he showed me this bond, this huge bond. <laughs> and I said, wow, well, 
Now, I've done hits before. I've, I've worked with Bongs. <laughs> I've worked with Bongs. The thing about I know, or I, I didn't know about Bongs at that point in my life, was that the bigger the Bong, the bigger the hit. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, if, you, if it's done right. But, but, but a Bong, I've never seen a Bong that big. You so hit it I pretty good that, too. I mean, no, and, and I was just thinking of the acting. I was, I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was thinking of how you know this is a story we're telling here, and my character's telling story. a story. So I just want to get it straight. Yeah, do it for the art. The guy that I was doing, the character I was doing, does bong hits all the time. That that's you know he's got a, a break. He's going to do a bong hit. That's his name was so Buzzy. I to, you got, what was the question? No, no, there was no question. Oh, so, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do a very good bong hit. Not because I wanted to do a very good bong hit. I didn't even know what I was getting a hit of. I mean, is this no marijuana? Is this smoking tobacco? Is this something else? Is it just, you know, weed? What is I hope it it's here? good. And he, and he said, okay, well, you know, I mean, because I don't want to... I've done bong marijuana hits, but... I, I don't want to do tobacco or any or leaves. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I got yeah. lungs, man. No, no, this is really marijuana. So I said, okay, fine. <laughs> oh, sweet. But then the second question is, I want to do a good bong hit because of the character. I don't care if I do a bad or a good bong hit. Who, who cares about that? But I want to do a good bong hit for your film. <laughs> And I've never done a bong hit this big, so I'm going to rehearse. Such a good actor. Put the marijuana in there, but you better film it, because if I do it bad and I choke and, you know, cough up my, my lungs, I'm not going to be able to do another hit for a while, so you better film the rehearsal. So he goes, oh, okay, fine. This could be a one and done. I mean, he didn't assume. In other words... A lot of people, I, I do all kinds of movies. You yes, know, you do. For friends and stuff. But a lot of times they really don't know what they're doing. So I got to make it clear in my mind as to what why they want to get, why I'm doing it, and how it's going to look, you know? So I have to kind of direct myself in a lot of times. That's what I was doing. I was really trying to help him make his movie, not get high. Right. You know, th that's the difference. Did it great. So I said, film the in uh, rehearsal so he said okay fine so they really set it up and I sat it down and they packed it with a lot of marijuana <laughs> <laughs> and I lit the thing and I just you know gave it my best shot I mean I know how to do it so that you can get a lot of smoke and it looks really great <laughs> so that's what I did and it came out perfect perfect <laughs> as far as I knew as far because I didn't see it but as far as doing no, it, perfect. I thought, okay, I did a good job, blew out the smoke, and then I thought, man, I'm through for about another 10 minutes. He said, no, we got it. And then moving on. Like, no, said, it's perfect. So that, that's the stuff. But I was high for about two or three hours. <laughs> <All> day. <laughs> no. Those so if you don't want me to do anything, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to wait. Unless you want me to be high and you want to film that, <laughs> and that's, that's okay, because the guy, the character... That's part of his thing, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, but I never saw the movie, and I never saw the trailer, and now I'm really curious because the only Check thing... Check it out. I, I shot only one day. You, that was, uh, I, you know, my part wasn't very big. But I was doing it as a favor, 
and he was a friend and blah blah blah. You need so, to see the trailer. It turned out great. Uh, yeah, but I've never seen it, and I that was the only thing I wanted to see <laughs> was the bong hit because you know uh, every once in a while you'll do a good bong hit when a lot of people are standing around. Now this is my youth. This this story. Well, it was when when was it? When did I did this? Two thousand fifteen, five years ago. Back in five years. Wow, it's, it seems like about twenty. Happened <laughs> <laughs> so long. I guess that bong hit really. It was, it was a good one. It was a good one. Changed your perspective. It seems like about twenty years ago. Knocked <laughs> you um, back to your yeah. Year. Well, I, I, I guess because um, I've done bong hits in my time, and when you're doing it in front of people, like at a party or something like that. When somebody does a great bong hit, everybody you get applause. That's right. <laughs> Everyone At gets least excited. That's, that's my ex- that was my experience back in the day, five years ago. Back in the day. <laughs> five years. Five years. Well, no, in other words, when I did that bong hit five years ago, that probably was the first bong hit I did in about five to to seven years. Wow. I hadn't done, I mean, I'd smoked marijuana in those times, but bong hits Not were like long. passe in 2015. I, I don't know anybody who was doing bong hits then. I really don't. Uh, especially something that, that huge. Yes. So but bong, uh, yeah, they, they were, uh, I think they were, I mean, on the cusp of vaping. People were on the cusp of vaping. Yeah. Yes. Then. That's the popular way. So, now. uh, so there was other ways. Yeah. So people by, by then, by 2015, I think people were doing, um, uh, vaping, vaping marijuana hits where you can buy a little tube of liquid marijuana. Yeah. Just a little cartridges. Put in this, a little, little cigarette holder pipe thing. That's right. Kind of thing. Heard of those. So yeah. So bong hits weren't around. So I hadn't done bong hits in all very long in years until that movie amazing to me that I did a good one those are some of the things that just make you such a great character actor um, Larry you've done a few of these now the podcasts radio shows and such I can't imagine how many interviews you've done over the years what subjects do you often wish uh, would get brought up or discussed but just never seems to whether it be a particular project or any subject uh, two at things. all well one thing really I guess uh, my website because uh, it cool. just went up and I have a lot of things going up on it now. It's almost it's almost like in a in a beta mood. I mean, you can go up and you can see it. And there's my paintings up there. There's a lot of my uh, film shorts that I make on my own dime, my own that. little funny film shorts. And uh, they're going to go up uh, t-shirts. I'm having all my art, which is up there now, and you can buy it. It's very expensive. But I'm making them into t-shirts. Oh, so they're going to be awesome. very cheap. So all my art, which is really very good, I've, I've heard very good. Yes. Larry, Larry, it is extremely good. I was hoping this question would lead to your artwork. We are giant fans of your artwork. Huge. We, I, we, the street art style that we do and the two that you have up uh, in the living room that you've posted, um, it's awesome. Like It's the type of thing that uh, we would hang up. Like It's Absolutely. really, really, really cool. Before oh, you, thank you. Where, what is the website? Oh, the website is called TheRealLarryHankin.com. TheRealLarryHankin.com. Uh, LarryHankin.com has been bought by somebody else, and they're trying to, you know, 
Don't you hate that shit? Roll you over the coals on that one. But I'm not going to do it. So I just said, TheRealLarryHankin.com, all one word. Yeah, people need to see your art. And the paintings are 300 to $500 each. So that's very expensive. Not bad. Not bad at all. Totally worth it. Are now on t shirts, and they're going to go up in about a week or two. So oh, you can be, that'll be like you know, $20 to $40. I don't know what the price is yet. But they'll be cheap and you can buy them. But they're, they're really great because they're not like uh, just, uh, they're not schlock. I looked for a long time to get a t-shirt company that could reprint exactly the colors that are on the paintings. So they're that is oh, so, okay. amazing. So it transfers exact well. Replicas That's of the awesome. Yeah. So that, and then, uh, and the book, you know, the book that's on yes. there too. Yes. The, the, the Loopholes dossier. dossier. Let's talk about the book. Oh, the book is, um, well, it's it's divided into it's three different stories. The first third is uh, seven, the seven fables of sometimes Jones. And they're really good. Your comedic um, alter four ego. Of them are, four of them are genuine fables. They're modern fables. Uh, the first one is um, it's called the character sometimes Jones and I, and you follow him I follow him through seven fables through his entire life each time he gets a little older so the first one is about he's a runaway 15 year old who never got along with his father that's pretty much my life <laughs> and uh, he, he runs away I didn't run away until much older but he runs away at 15 to San Francisco and he becomes uh, a savant, uh, a savant pickpocket. He's the best pickpocket in San Francisco at the age of fifteen. That's cool. And um, he has adventures. He finally, uh, I'll just, just the opening is that he's such a good pickpocket that he finally picks the pocket of the president of the United States and he finds a magic credit card. And oh, the, the adventures start. And so that that it's a fable. You know, each one has a little, you know. Uh, moral at the end of it but they're funny and then and then you go and then he grows a little older and then he has a girlfriend and then he grows a little older so that there's a little fable about that and then he uh has another girlfriend then he gets married then he gets insurance then he gets divorced then he um uh, and then finally i don't know by, by the seventh one he he's he ends up in a monastery on a on a mountain in tibet I love where this goes. He's still a fuck up. He's he's basically every time he learns a lesson in one fable, because each time he learns something, but each time he learns something, he forgets what he just learned the last time. So he keeps on. (laughs) There's one step forward and one step back. It's not like one step forward, one step back. It's like one step forward and then he back in a different direction <laughs> then one step forward back in a different direction and one step forward back to th- so he's not like going life. where he wants yeah. to go he's kind of like skewed up but yeah so it's seven of those then the next one is uh about a a, a politician called um um lewis b loopholes and uh <laughs> he becomes uh yeah, so he's uh, President Loopholes. So he President runs for Loopholes. president. So there's this. So it, the story, that story, is from the time that he is picked to run for president. Uh, you know the uh, where, where they meet. Uh, they kind of meet in a, in a back room. Uh, it's a smoking. You know, a cigar filled, a cigar smoke 
filled back room uh, where he's picked to, be, to run for president. That's awesome. So it's from that point to the time where he runs for president, he gets elected to president, he uh, does things while he's president, he gets uh, impeached, and then two ye- and then four years after, how, how he rises again after he's impeached uh, for, after four years. So this is so it's a politician's arc from the time he runs to the time he's out and what happens to him after that. And then the four, the third one is just uh, an oral history written by a homeless person of the last year of his life. Oh, wow. When oh, he dies. Wow. Uh, and basically the, the trope of it is, the, the, the way I get you into it is, um, I, I was homeless for a year. I lived in my car for a year in San wow. Francisco. And... Um, I learned a lot about being homeless. So it's a, it's basically based on that, that year in my life. Uh, and I saw a lot of homeless people. And I lived with them. And uh, they have a different lifestyle. That, that yeah, that'll knows. add so some perspective. Yeah, I'll say it's sure. much different perspective on life. Oh, totally. Yeah, so, so basically what happens is this guy named, uh, his name is, um, wow, I haven't said his name in, in years. Uh, his name is Barnum Justice, and Barnum <laughs> Justice is a homeless guy, 75 years old, and uh, what he does is he carries a little digital tape recorder in his hand, uh, and he just tape records everything. Uh, he speaks into it. very, very you, Nobody's ever heard him. He just you know whispers into it like something. He'll be talking to you, and then... narrating his own life and then what he does is he goes home well he doesn't have a home but he lives on the beach in a little tent and uh, he writes it all down in these little uh, you know uh, notebooks these little you know those speckled black and white speckled notebooks Mm, composition books so he has about 35 or 40 of them that he's been writing for all these years he's just his diary and uh, he dies one day on the beach and he's found by two lifeguards and some seagulls find him. And so his girlfriend, uh, who, I, who knows that I'm a, a friend of his, he left me uh, four no- notebooks. Wow. And these four notebooks, he told her, he said, you know, if I die, give these to Larry. And, oh wow. and so wow. I translated them. I, I got them typed up. Last year, and that's the last story in the book. That's oh, amazing. Cool. Yeah, that's I am sold. Really cool. I was, I, I was sold after the pickpocket I mean, guy, it's, but it's this is funny, and it's and it's satirical, but it's also, I mean, his, his life, his life. how he fell in love with his girlfriend, and all the bullshit that he has to go through. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I mean, it's it's a, it's a serious work of satire, is what it is. Uh, so, but anyway, so those oh, are the three. So good. No, that's parts. a good one. Yeah, that's cool. Loopholes dossier, and that is available on Amazon.com almost anywhere. Yeah. You, you buy books. You can get it on. Uh, you can get it. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, as a as an ebook on Kindle. It, Kindle Fire as well. Like that. That's uh-huh. right. Well, Larry, before we get you out of here, yeah, I, w- I want to give the audience what they want while making it as easy as possible on you. There were a ton of questions we got for you on social media 
half of them were about raisins. Um, but the, the rest were spread over. <laughs> I don't know anything about raisins. I, I know. I know. We're not going to ask you about raisins today. Uh, but the rest were spread over your entire career. If you don't mind, I'd like to give you a few titles, just movies only. And if you could just share one fun fact, even just your first memory thinking of it would suffice for this okay. exercise. Got it. First one, let's talk about Death Warrant. Very popular role for you. Oh, Death Warrant. Let's talk about oh, Death well, Warrant. Um, it, it was great working with uh, Charles Van Damme. He's a good guy, uh, very friendly, but I loved my, my death scene in it, and I loved oh. the fact that I was playing a junkie. That and was hard to my watch. My death scene was where uh, they pour... Uh, gasoline uh, all over Gasoline you? into my oh. cell. Oh, oh my God. God. Set me on fire. Yeah, that was, was hard to watch. It was great. And the shot of my nose is the biggest nose ever in the history of movies. <laughs> no, my it's nostrils. not. It was just amazing. Okay, it's that's just amazing. Next. Let's talk about Running Scared. You played the role of Ace. Running you worked scared. with Billy Crystal. Uh, um, 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 who's the, the tap dancer? Uh, what's his name? Uh I was in the in the cop shop. I, I fixed right. their cop cars and taxi cabs. So there's one scene where I'm talking to him, uh, to to him and uh, Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines. Oh yeah, Gregory. I'm Hines. in the shop, leaning against the taxi, and I'm talking to Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal, and it's a scene between the three of us, and I'm talking Gregory Hines, who didn't have any lines in the in the scene. I'm just talking to the two of them. It was me and Billy has the lines and me. And I'm talking to both of them. And Gregory Hines turns around and walks away in the middle of the scene. <laughs> so every time I see that scene, I say, God damn it, Gregory. I'm talking to you. He's just walking away? He just walked away. And I don't blame him. I mean, he didn't like, he's a star. Right. And he doesn't like standing there just listening to some guy talk to Billy. So he just, and it's totally natural. And he didn't walk. And if you'll notice, he doesn't walk out of frame. He walks exactly backwards, staying in frame the whole time, walking <laughs> away on camera. That's so hilarious. he knew what he was doing. But he just pissed me off. And I, and, and I, I remember just because I got so pissed off at something so trivial. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, he was right. And I'm, I'm, you know, what am I getting all, you know. Twisting my underwear. Okay, anyway, next. Let's talk about Pretty Woman. You were the landlord. Pretty Woman. I'm pissed off because uh, I was in that movie in a big scene with uh, both of them, uh, and uh, I was cut out of the oh, movie. And so I'm yes, only in the credits. And here's the pissed off part. Um, I didn't know. I thought I was in the whole movie. I mean, in this one scene. Telling all your family I, 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 I and your friends. I wanted to be in that one scene. It was a good scene between me and uh, what's her name and what's his name. Jimmy Roberts. So Richard Gere. And I had a girlfriend at the time, and I was really, you know, madly in love with her. And I wanted to, you know, show her and show off that, hey. I'm, yeah. I'm of course. Big, you know, so I, I bring her to the movie. It was the cast and, and crew, a screening, I guess. It was, a you know, big deal. All the producers from the company come and all of, you know. Big shots are there, packed audience, and she smoked. Uh, not, not not right then, but she had a pack of cigarettes in her purse. She was sitting in the movie, and um, uh, the movie starts. You know, they're, so they're talking, giving us, yeah, we'd like to thank, we'd like to thank. And the movie comes on, and I say, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and she says, wait a minute, I just want to get a cigarette. And I go, you can't smoke while we're 
you while the movie is on in the middle of the night. <laughs> she says, no, but I just want to find my cigarettes. She opens her purse, and I come on the screen, and she's going through her purse. You're missing and it. Says, and I say, no, 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 there I am. And she looks up, and I'm gone. Oh, that was it. And, and, then, and then I say, well, that's okay. I have a scene coming up. And the scene wasn't and it was cut out. She totally missed oh. the whole thing. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> looking at her purse for like I think four seconds. <laughs> now I regret bringing so that up. So if you look at the, if you, if you see the movie, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, That's all I'm going to think about now. It's pretty funny. Uh, but if you see, and you see, and you're watching the titles, that you see me for four, maybe three, maybe two <laughs> seconds. The side of my face, it's a shot looking down from behind me. So, yeah, so, that, okay, next one. One of your popular roles was Roland in Money Talks. Money Talks. What was my name in that film? Ro- Roland. Oh, Roland, right, Roland. Okay, that, in that scene. Oh, well, that's a heartbreaker. That's a heartbreaker. Um, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker uh, is a really cool guy. And he, and he was very young. I mean, he, he doesn't look anything like he looks now. Or like he was in uh, Friday. I, mean, I just saw him in a movie, but he doesn't look anything like that. He looked very, he looked very skinny, very frail, very nice, very friendly. We got along great. He would always call me over to help him with his lines, you know. Uh, and um, and he, he could do it. So I, I felt very honored and friendly with him because of that. You know, I would help him oh, with his lines. Do so you remember Chris Tucker? So, so when his parents came to visit him on the set and he was so proud of it and he's very proud of doing that movie and being in the movie and stuff like that so um he came into my winnebago my dressing room and he said hey man i want uh, come on i want you to meet my parents and i thought wow that's really so nice <laughs> so he brought me into his winnebago and there's a whole bunch of people in there and his parents and he introduced me to his parents and i was so shy at the time I was either angry or shy, and there was nothing in the <laughs> So I was so shy, and, and he wanted, and he, he was very proud of me. He said, Ed is Larry. He's my oh. friend. He's my father. He's my mom. Ed is Larry. He's a really funny guy, you know? And so I just cute. stood there and said hello, and I shook their hands, but I didn't say anything. And I could see he wanted me to talk with his parents, but I didn't know what to say. Right. So... Uh, I, I, after a while, I kind of left. I said, well, I'll see you. You know, nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Bye. <laughs> but I felt very bad that I, I couldn't be as social as he wanted me to be. Uh, and, and that was, again, my fault. You know, and I, and I remember coming out of the, his Winnebago saying, you know, I got to get some social class here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> work on no, I can't. I, I, that's, that's, that's not cool. I, I, that wasn't cool to me. I should have been more respectful. So, I know. So that, that's, that, that was that story. But that's what I remember. Aww, that's a good yeah. one. That's great. That's a good one. Uh, how about Vegas Vacation? The end of that one? The Preacher? Oh, that. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I was a, uh, a, um, a marriage guy, you know, in Las Vegas. I, I was a priest. Uh, you know, but one of those you know, two second marriages, you come yeah. in, you get Drive married, through. you go out, you know. So uh, the, the the trope was, that the, the laugh was, the trick was that I was awakened I, and I, uh, in my pajamas and I put on a bathrobe. Yeah. Because somebody, because I think the role is something, they wanted me to marry me really fast. <laughs> so uh, that's why they were there in Vegas, to get married that's fast. Right. And they, 
just come into my place. They say, <laughs> hey, we want to get married really fast. So I put on my bathrobe and I come out. So as I'm putting on the bathrobe, I had the pajamas on, and I'm putting on the bathrobe, and this guy, this man, this man about 55, I guess, executive type, kind of a producer type, but very bossy type. His face was kind of reddish. Uh, uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm intimating that maybe he was drinking. I don't think he was. That's not why I said it. I'm saying it because it reminded me of apoplexy, of a CEO who's, who's just, things are not going well. That's that's why I say it. it was, he had that kind of attitude. Of, he's like uptight. Like what the hell's going on? And they go, okay, who are you? So he comes into me and he goes, who are you? I go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the priest. I'm going to marry them. You know, said, what are you wearing? What are you wearing here? And I go, well, this is the bathrobe. I'm in pajamas. That's it. Just I'm going out there. Get rid of that bathrobe. I don't like that bathrobe. And I go, who are you? What are you doing? He's walking here telling me, what are you doing? He said, I'm the producer. I go, oh, okay. Fine. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm but sorry. I, I mean, I mean, the director and my Steve Kessler was my director. He's my buddy. He's directing the movie. And I'm saying, well, uh, let me talk to Steve. He told me to put this you on. Want the He's the guy who told me to put this on. He said, oh, let's go. Steve. Let's talk to Steve. So he marches me out and, and, and he says, well, what's going on with this? Yeah, what is his outfit? So Steve now is apologetic. He's like, oh, well, I don't know. I he was. So there's a little argument about my bathroom, and I'm going, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, okay, it's like, well, what is this, like a dog? He's less like it's a territory thing. He's got to piss on me because now he owns me. I mean, he's pissing on the costume now. <laughs> now he's, now he's pissing on Steve. I mean, he's just, what is he? Own, he's, own this, he's a producer, and he's now putting his territory around. I'm running the show here made some incredibly great movies but i just didn't like his attitude so right all right that's what i remember of that that's awesome larry you have been truly amazing we're, we're gonna we're so gonna get much. you out of here the real larry that's where we go to look at the art and to um can we see more about the book on there as well or is that strictly art no that no that's uh, the book is on there too everything okay. that's what i thought i'm doing or will be doing <clears throat> will be on there and I have a Facebook page, and that's about um, it. But I have a screenplay that I just finished, so look for that. Yes. yes. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, I may be in it or not. Uh, and what else? Oh, I got a um, – I have a blog coming out. It's not, I guess it's not a podcast or a blog. I guess it's kind of like an album, like, you know, the old albums. Yeah. But it will be a download. Wow. Okay. Uh, of, of these stories that I've been telling you in, in longer detail and also my life. Well, you know, in other words, in between movies, I had a life with girlfriends and, <laughs> yes. and, and all that stuff. I don't believe you. Uh, so it's all of that. It's, it's my time in show business. I, I don't know what it's called yet, but. Well, we will keep but, an eye out for yeah, that. So, that, so if, you, if you check the, either my Facebook or the RealLarryHankin.com, you'll know all about Larry Hankin. And me, too. <laughs> me, too. Thank you so much Thank again, you, Larry. Larry. You have been, been a pleasure. A pleasure. Such a great interview. Take it easy, Blake. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Good talking to you, Larry. Okay. Take care. Bye. Okay. Hey, let me know when it's on, okay? Will do. Comes out. Uh, it'll be out on Sunday. First thing. Okay. Just send me a, a link or something, okay? Will do. Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Larry. Be good. And don't worry, Mr. Heckles. We'll try to keep it down. <laughs> 
Oh, so great. Well, this has been a most epic episode Absolutely. of Something Crunchy. Don't ever forget to live your crunchiest life and be crunchy to one another. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and all that crunchy good shit. Thank you for listening. Dude, that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever seen. Somebody got it.